it wonderful to praise the Lord together? I don't know where you're at in your spiritual life, whether you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you can feel his presence in your life, in your heart, in your mind throughout the day. But it's great to come here corporately as a community of believers and worship God together. Do you ever feel that God is distant? Maybe you think that he's hiding from you. You're unable to feel his presence or hear from him. Do you want to see God? Do you know where you can find God? If we can't feel God's presence, then maybe we need to check our heart. Today we're studying the sixth beatitude, and the sixth beatitude is blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We're going to learn what it takes to see God, to feel God's presence in our lives. Brian Zand expresses it in this way. He says, blessed are those who have a clean window in their soul. That's the next slide. Clean window in their soul, for they will perceive God when and where others don't. Do you have a clear window in your soul? Are you able to feel God's presence? We require a pure heart to be able to see God. Now that word pure in the Greek has two meanings. The first is pure in the sense that you can get some mineral or metal and you heat it up and you refine it. You skim off all of the impurities. God is pure. He's the real deal. The other meaning is that there is one focus, that we are totally devoted. God wants all of us. He doesn't want us to be looking out of the corner of our eyes at something else. And he says in Matthew 6 verse 33, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. God wants our undivided attention. God wants to be number one in our lives. James 1 verse 8 says, A double-minded person is unstable in all of his ways. God doesn't want us to be double-minded. He wants all of our affection. The word purity has different meanings in the Bible. There's five different meanings for the word purity. And I just need to go through them all just so that you fully understand the type of purity that we're looking at this morning. First of all, there is divine purity. And this belongs solely to God. And it is an essential part of God's nature. Isaiah 6 verse 3 says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Secondly, there's created purity. 
God made this world. And after he made this world, he looked at this world and he says, it is good. He saw that all he had, he saw everything that he had made and it was very good. Then we have number three, positional purity. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, his purity is credited to us. God sees us clothed in his righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. And 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's amazing, isn't it? When you think that we're, we're, we've all messed up. But Jesus took the punishment for our sin. He took all our dirt and filth on himself so that we could have his righteousness. And then there's practical purity. We're to demonstrate our position in Christ through, our, through godly lives. And in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1, it says, Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. And the final purity is ultimate purity. A day is coming when all believers will be fully cleansed and purified. One day we're going to go to heaven, that perfect place. 1 John 3 verse 2 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God. When you become a Christian, you become a child of God. And what we will, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. When we're in heaven, we'll be made perfect, just like God is. And so Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now if he had just said, Blessed are the pure, for they will see God, the religious people in, in Jesus' day would have been very happy because they were experts at trying to look good on the outside. But they had lots of rules. Rules about what they could eat, what they should wear, what they could do on a Sunday or a Sabbath day. But Jesus reserved his harshest words for these people. People that wore religious masks people who pretended that they were something that they weren't really. They could have been really dirty on the inside, but they made out that they were super clean on the outside. This is what Jesus said about them in Matthew 23, verses 25 to 28. He said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. Now Jesus always referred to the Pharisees as being blind. Four different occasions he called them blind Pharisees. He says, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, 
and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as pure and righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. The pe these people thought that their religious acts made them pure, but they were doing it just for show. Jesus saw through their outward actions. He looked straight into their hearts. In Matthew 15 verse 8, Jesus quoted the prophet Isaiah. He said, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. True holiness comes from a pure heart. Proverbs 4.23 tells us that we're to guard our heart above all else, for it affects everything that we do. Our heart represents our innermost being, and God desires to change the hearts of his people. Our hearts are like windows, if they're clean, we can see what God is doing in this world. But windows can get dirty. They can be covered with dark grime. And that produces spiritual blindness. Every time we say no to God, the window of our heart becomes darker. A clean window enables us to see God. We can clean our heart by removing pride, hypocrisy and judgmentalism from our hearts. But cleansing doesn't come through trying to keep all the rules. You may have been a religious Christian yourself. I know that as a young man, as a, as a boy, my parents said, well, you know, you, if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to be a good person. You've got to obey all the rules. But I was naturally naughty. And I, I thought, well, I can never be as good as my parents want me to be, as the expectations are. But it wasn't until I had an encounter of Jesus, with Jesus Christ where my heart was changed and I got a new, car, new heart. And he changed me on the inside and gave me a will and a desire to serve him and to please him. Jesus says in Matthew 15, verses 18 and 19, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, lies, slander. James 1, verse 27 urges us, to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world because this pollution hijacks our mind and colours our vision. Anything that rules our thoughts and blocks out God is an idol. You know, the three biggest idols for guys are girls, gold and glory. We want to be popular. We want to be rich. We want to be famous. 
or they can be summed up also as pleasure, possessions, position. To be pure in heart means not to be corrupted by the values of the world. When God looks at us, he focuses on our hearts. 1 Samuel 6 verse 7, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at our outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God knows what's inside your heart. God knows what sort of a person you really are. And so the heart represents our deepest emotions as well as our mind and our will. Proverbs 23 verse 7, For as a man thinks within himself, so he is. What do you really think about? And Max Licardo refers to the heart as the totality of the inner person, the seat of character, where all emotions, prejudices, and wisdom converge. It's a travel load node that receives freight cars loaded with moods, emotions, and convictions, and puts them on the right track. We all have moods and emotions and convictions, but we can organise them in our heart. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. In Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. Adam lived in a perfect environment. God had just made the world. Adam was in the Garden of Eden, a beautiful place. But he still sinned because sin comes from within. We need God to tell us what's wrong because our heart is deceitful and diseased. I read a story of a little girl who cried when a dog barked and frightened her. The owner scolded the dog and the dog quietened down. The mother tried to comfort her daughter and said, you don't have to cry. He stopped barking now. But the little girl whimpered and said, yes, but his bark is still in him. <laughs> we may control ourselves for a while, but sooner or later our bark comes out. We can pretend we're a good person, but what are we like when we get angry? We will never have a pure heart until God gives us a new heart. Ezekiel 36, verses 6, 26 and 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Wow, we can't do that in our own strength. But God puts his own spirit 
and in, within us to give us the power to live the life that he desires of us. This happens when we receive Jesus Christ into our lives. When we admit that we have a deceitful, diseased heart, then we can ask God to give us a new one. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sin, you can do that today. I'd be delighted if any of you that wants to talk about this would come and see me at the end of the service so that I can pray with you. You know, God never commands us to do something without giving us the power to do it. In Philippians 2 verses 12 and 13, he says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act. God changes us on the inside. He gives us new desires and behaviours in order to fulfil his good purpose. When we cooperate with God in our cleansing, he will do an amazing work in each one of us. So we don't just sit back and do nothing or try to clean ourselves up on our own. It's God who gives us the power when he comes into us by his Holy Spirit. Now the last part of this beatitude that we're studying today says, for they will see God. You know, if you've got a, a camera, an expensive camera, and you look through the viewfinder, you'll see a small circle or a square. And when you're taking a photo, you aim that circle towards the object that is the most important in the picture. And the focus adjusts so that you can see the subject clearly and sharply. God reserves his ultimate friendship for those who give him their primary focus. The closer we get to God, the purer we become. Paul Thigpen wrote the following. He says, Unfortunately, sin has blinded us, leaving our spiritual eyes swollen shut, unable to see God. We grope in the darkness, searching desperately for someone or something to make us happy. Our heart is splintered and scattered. We run to and fro, gathering first this trinket, then that one, dropping both for the next shiny thing that we spy. The result is a civil war of the soul. All the while, our Father stands close by, waiting for us to turn around and run into his arms. If our vision of God is to grow wider, clearer and brighter, our will must be united in a single focus on him and an overriding desire to know him and to love him. Do you have an overriding desire to get to know the God of the universe so that you can communicate with him day by day so that he can tell you his truth and show you his vision for your life? Are you ready to see God like you have never seen him before? Is your desire to know him as intense as King David's was? 
In Psalm 139, King David prayed, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And then David also wrote in Psalm 119 verse 58, I have sought your face with all of my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. David met God's conditions. And he said, look, God, you've promised that if I yield my heart to you, you will reveal yourself to me in a special way. Be faithful according to your promise. So our goal is not merely to be good, but to see God and to do what God says to us. Each step deeper into God's presence reveals areas in our hearts that need cleansing. Don't be afraid when the Holy Spirit shows you areas that you need to work on. It's not to condemn you. It's to cleanse you. Because only the pure in heart can really see God. Maybe it's time to cut loose from something that is stopping you from moving forward in God. I read of a couple who purchased a new boat, but they were having some serious problems with it. They couldn't get their 22-foot boat to go properly, no matter how hard they tried. After about an hour, they chugged into a nearby marina. A thorough check on the top side of the boat revealed that everything was okay. The engine ran well, the propeller was the correct size and pitch, then one of the marina guys jumped into the water to check underneath. He came up choking on the water because he was laughing so hard. Under the boat, still strapped securely in place, was the trailer. <laughs> when God looks underneath your life, what does he see? When he looks behind your mask, what does he discover? Is your heart divided? Or are you strapped to some impurity that is slowly pulling you under and hindering your performance? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Some years ago, I used to run a, a group called Something More. It was for those who wanted to press into the Lord and to grow in using the gifts of the Holy Spirit in their lives. I've been talking about this with Mike, and we're going to start a new group called Revive on October the 13th at 7 p.m. Now, we have the table at 5 o'clock every second week, and in the in-between weeks, we're going to have this group called Revive at 7 at night. And it will happen on every second Sunday until Christmas. Revival has broken out throughout church history when people get hungry for more of God. It will start off with a time of worship, 
and we'll see where the Lord leads us after that. We'll start initially with a plan to just last for an hour, but we're open to what the Spirit says and where the Spirit moves. All are welcome to come. There'll be more information later. And I might even suggest a book that those of you that want to come can read in preparation. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that we are not orphans in this world. that don't know what to do or where to go. But we have a heavenly Father who loves us, who desires to lead us into all truth, to be our companion throughout life. Lord, we know that with you all things are possible. Lord, we don't want to limit you by our unbelief or our own selfish ambition. We thank you for your promise that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And Lord, we're expectant of great things happening in this place as we press into you and allow your Holy Spirit to rule in our lives. Be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen.